maybe it's just me, but whenever uh, we celebrate some kind of holiday that, that involves candy like, uh, like this or, or Easter, I can't help but think of the old uh, classic movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And particularly the, 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 the British girl that is just a, a spoiled brat, and she begins to, to sing that song, I want it now, give it to me. And that, that's just kind of her attitude. And sometimes I feel like that's the way my kids start to behave whenever uh, they, they get a little bit of candy. Is they, they just kind of transform into some kind of beast that, that I've never seen before. Well, that movie is based on a, a book, uh, and it has nothing to do with addiction. It does provide a picture for us of what addiction is like, what addiction does to us as, as a, a, a people. That so often addictions, it makes these grand promises and, and we, we strive and we, we make great efforts to try and get what it is that we long for only to find that what we, we long for, it actually destroys us. And in our study called That Thing, as we, we look at all these areas of our lives that, that many of us struggle with and, and, and examining them in light of the gospel, we're going to see how the gospel provides hope for us whenever we face addictions. Let's have a word of prayer as we enter into our, our study this morning. Father, I thank you for the blessing that you have given to this body of believers, that you provided land, that you have provided uh, resources you've provided people with with a variety of gifts that has built up this body god i pray that you'll continue to use us to to fulfill our mission to bring people to christ and that we can together discover how to be more like christ and it's in jesus name that i pray Amen. Now, as we talk about addiction, a simplified definition of uh, addiction is just a, a preoccupation with a, an activity, a behavior, or a substance that becomes destructive. And it's very difficult to quit. That uh, addiction may be something that is uh, something like food that that we begin to 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 fixate on it and become preoccupied and say to ourselves, "You know, I will not eat my kids' candy. I will not eat my kids' candy." And and then because we're consumed by that, we then consume all of their candy. Right. Or maybe it's shopping. I will not go into that store. I will not go into that store. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves coming out with bags full of new clothes. Or maybe it is pornography. I will not look. I will not look. I will not look. And then we find ourselves spending hours online. Perhaps it is a drugs or alcohol. And we say, I, I, will not, I will not take it. I will not take it. I will not take it. And then 
then we find ourselves just lost in the substance. Some of those seem very lighthearted, and, that, and I, I'm going to be honest, I, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I don't know what, what your particular sins are, so I'm not, not judging you in any of this. But that is the, what addictions are. It's not just the, the, this lifestyle that leads you to living on the streets, but it's, it's this preoccupation that consumes us, and, and, and it becomes very powerful. Addictions are powerful because they, they utilize powerful brain circuitry. They, they piggyback onto or maybe they mimic or, or somehow adapt the way that our brains function. The hypothalamus is a, a part of your brain that, that controls the, the, the basic drives, the basic needs of life like food and drink. And interestingly enough, that, that same region controls the drive for sex. Now, while you won't die from a, a lack of sex in the same way that you would for food or drink, it does explain why we, we experience that drive in, in the same kind of, of, uh, of desperation at times. And because those, those needs are necessary either for life or the continuing of human life, our, our brains, God has designed us in such a way that we receive a reward, that, that chemicals are released that, that make us feel good as a result of, uh, of feeding those desires. And addictions, they, they piggyback on those, those uh, brain circuitries. And it becomes... A very powerful an addiction. It's not just this behavioral thing. It is a spiritual act as well. I want to take you to a scripture that, that doesn't seem to have uh, much to do with addiction on its surface. But I think as we'll see, it, it actually has a great deal to do with it. It's in Isaiah chapter 44. And what I want to suggest to you is that addiction, it is attempting to, it's seeking what God only can provide through other means. It, it is this effort to, to try and seek what God provides through other avenues. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 14 speaking about the carpenter as, as he creates an idol. It says that he cuts down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a, a pine and the rain made it grow. It is used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Addiction, this, this avenue of seeking what only God can provide for us, it is, in essence, idolatry. 
That we turn to these substances, these behaviors, in order to, to reach some level of tr- transcendence, to, to escape from our guilt or our shame, or to make ourselves feel good or significant. They make all these promises, but they fail at them in the same way that the carpenter fails as he takes this this wood and he uses some of it for his physical needs to build a fire to warm himself with. And other parts of that same tree he takes and he creates an idol and he begins to worship it. That's what addiction is. It is the spiritual practice that is dangerous it is destructive for us it's it's harmful to us and at, at its core the issue the issue is what is controlling us and Uh, Jesus' temptation out in the wilderness. Satan comes and asks him to create bread for himself. Which is a part of that, that human need, that human desire. And Jesus makes the statement in Matthew 4, verse 4, that man should not live by bread alone. And this is is why many uh, people historically have participated in things like fast. And there's the the, the season on the the, the Christian calendar in many traditions known as Lent that that they will choose something to refrain from as, as they're making a statement that I am not mastered by this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, Paul is quoting some of of their language that they will use about their life in Christ. And he says that that you say, I have the right to do anything. And then Paul adds to that, but not everything is beneficial for you. Not everything is good for you. You say, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. See, Paul recognizes that there's a freedom that, that is available only in Christ. And the temptation is, whenever we're talking about some of these substances or some of these practices, is to say, wait a minute, Jeff, you're infringing on my freedoms. Nobody is hurt whenever I do this. And I want to take a little bit of a side tangent at this point, because one of the... The, the areas that I hear this talked about most frequently is in, with the use of pornography. In many locker rooms and, and many fathers, they, they will tell their sons that there is nothing wrong with looking. But that is dangerous and it is a lie that comes directly from Satan. There actually is a lot of harm that comes from looking. 
As we now have entered into this age where pornography is so readily accessible, it's free and you can engage in it anonymously. You can engage in it and not have to experience any kind of public humiliation by it. We are starting to see the results of that. That young men in their teens and 20s are are now uh, losing their their libido completely whenever it comes to um, being with a, a real human being. That all of the, the, the constant stimulation, that it, it overwhelms that, that brain circuitry. It, it, it's causing harm to the men, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it changes, it distorts the way that, that men view women. Those that, that engage in, in pornography, they are more likely to, to engage in abusive behavior and demeaning behavior, attitudes towards women, that they begin to only see women as objects to fulfill their physical needs at whatever the cost. Because pornography, it it rem- it, it offers what God intended of sexual pleasure, but it's devoid of, of the hard work of, of human relationship. With that tangent over, Paul says that the issue is not so much whether or not you have the right to do this, whether or not you have the freedom to engage in this. Paul says the issue is, what are you being controlled by? 14th century duke of a a region that is uh, modern Belgium, by the name of Crassus, which is Latin for the word fat, his younger brother uh, revolted against him. And instead of killing Crassus, Edward... He uh, stuck him in a room, built this, this room around him. And any normal person would have been able to escape. There were a number of, of windows and doors of normal size. The only problem was that Crassus was exorbitantly obese. And Edward continued to provide plenty of the choicest food from the land. He was free, and yet he was controlled by his desires. And Paul comes along and he says that that I don't want you to live that kind of life where you are a slave. I want you to really experience freedom. And the Bible comes and, and offers us two paths to freedom. The first path is to run away. In Homer's story, Odyssey, the, the hero of the story is Odysseus, and he is having to make a, a dangerous travel back from home from the Trojan War. And he has to pass by this, the, this section that is uh, controlled by the, the, this Greek mythology creatures known as the Sirens. The, or the sirens. They, they were uh, 
mermaids that, that were, were beautiful and they seduced by their songs. Odysseus knew that he was susceptible to their song and so before he entered in this, this passageway, he made his crew tie him to the mast. Tie his hands so that, that he would not be able to untie himself. And then they put beeswax inside their ears so that they were, were not able to hear the song and therefore be seduced by the song and be destroyed. Paul will write in Ephesians chapter 5, That you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. And this is a part of what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Paul says part of what pleases God is that, that as you've entered into Christ, that you have left behind, you avoid those deeds that were done in darkness. Those deeds that, that, that people will tell you that are good for you, but they become destructive to you over time. You just simply avoid them. Paul will write to, to Timothy and and talk about a number of different people that, that engage in these deeds of darkness. They are, they are people filled with greed. They are uh, people that, that love to, to engage in uh, all kinds of gossip and all, all this kind of stuff. And, and he says that these people, they may look like they are godly. But he says, have nothing to do with such people. Not just don't have something, no, nothing to do with, with these deeds, but sometimes it reaches a point where, where you have to avoid the people that do these kinds of practices. This is much of what the, the counsel and advice that you will hear in places like AA meetings. That, that they will identify that, that they have this weakness, this vulnerability. And so the safest way is just simply to avoid, even though it may not be wrong in and of itself, for them, it leads them down a dangerous pathway. And some of you, you have established for yourself guardrails. You know, those rails that are often around bridges and overpasses and these, these places that these guardrails are placed within the boundaries of safety to keep you from getting into a place that is even more dangerous. Now, some harm may come to your car if you hit a guardrail, but it is much less than what would have happened if that guardrail weren't there. And some of you have those in place. That you've said, I, I, I'm not going to engage in this activity. It may not be wrong, it may not be sinful in and of itself, but I know that for me, it's not wise. That's one pathway. The second pathway that Scripture provides is to run towards. 
There's another Greek story involving those seductress sirens. It's the story of the Argonauts. They too are having to pass by the same dangerous pathway. But instead of tying themselves to the, the mass, instead of plugging their ears with beeswax, they have with them a, a, an incredible poet and musician. And they invite that poet, to that musician, to play a louder song, to play a sweeter song so that they then aren't able to hear the songs of the seductress. And it works. They're able to make it through the passageway because they are hearing a more beautiful song. Paul doesn't just write to Timothy and say, avoid these practices. Paul says, flee from evil desires of youth, but run towards, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There was a, a 19th century Scottish preacher that, that, that talked about the expulsion of, of these desires through a, a greater song. Any teenager that has ever experienced the 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 youthful love and the heartbreak that comes along with that knows that how you get over that is you find a new obsession. That once you find someone new that, that you're interested in, and all of a sudden you forget all the heartache, you forget that person that, that you once thought you were in love with and that you would die without them. That once you find a sweeter song, then you find joy again. And that's what Paul says, that you don't just go through life saying, don't do this, don't do this, but instead you replace it with a greater love. These desires are not just to be avoided, but to be replaced with greater desires. The beauty of the gospel is to be meditated on, to be discovered Jesus said that he came so that you could have life and that you could have it to the full. So often, because we focus on all the things that you can't or you shouldn't do, we start to think that, that that's all that the Christian life is about. But Jesus said that it's so much more than that. That he wants you to enjoy life. And he is singing a beautiful song. If only we will tune our ears into him. See, here's the truth about addiction. That what, what holds you is not as strong as that which saves you. In John chapter 8, Jesus says that slaves can't free themselves. But if a member of the family, if, if the Son sets you free, 
then you are free indeed. That's the reason that Jesus has come, is so that you can really experience true freedom. That you can experience life. Addiction is powerful. But addiction will not define you. It cannot define you if you are in Christ. Because there is nothing that has the power of Jesus. That's what His miracles display. That, that He comes and, and whether or not you believe in, in the, the powers known as demons or, or you just use that language to talk about your own struggles, your own addictions, Jesus comes and He demonstrates that He has the power over the most powerful demon in your life. That they all submit to Him, they all surrender to Him if you come and surrender to Jesus. See, addictions aren't just behavioral, they are spiritual. They are about surrender. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you need to experience that freedom, you need to come and, and utilize the, these powers that, that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that, that, that aren't the worldly powers, but these are, are powers that have divine power. These, these weapons we have they can demolish strongholds. Some of our shepherds will be at the back of the worship center and I'll be at the front. If you'd like to be baptized into Christ so that you can have the forgiveness of your sins, we invite you to come as we stand and sing together.